Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Recording Podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Philip Watkins at Awaken Church. Uh, if you're joining us for our second week of Margin, uh, you'll notice this is a little bit more unique for us. Uh, in light of COVID-19, we have decided to finish out this series for the rest of the month uh, through um, recordings, uh, through creating our gathering space online, and then encouraging our missional communities to meet in person for uh, discussion, uh, meals, and other ways um, in a healthy format to both protect each other individually and to protect our larger community um, in honoring what our local governments are doing, what health professionals are saying. We felt like this was the right thing for our community. And so either way, we're excited you're choosing to hang out with us for a few minutes and talk through our second week of Margin. Uh, if you were with us last week, we started the series kind of just under the basic premise that so many of us as Christians and also as uh, as Americans, we live outside of really having healthy margin in our lives. We don't really have much, whether it's financial, time, or in our relationships. We've really lived our lives to the edge to max it out. And as a result, we have no time to, uh, we have no depth in our relationships. And we have very little funds available outside of what we need to spend money on um, to be able to live generously and to continue to learn what it means to be good stewards. And so we have talked about in this series that all three of these areas are so important because really, if we want to understand the heart of God, if we're going to live life this way, it's very uh, counterintuitive to what God's best is for us. We even talked last week about how not creating margin in your life is literally a part of idolatry. It's it's sinful for us to not create margin. By living to the max, we're not, not only honoring who God created us to be, but we're not reflecting Jesus and it's not his best for us. And so we've defined margin this way in the series. Uh, last week, and we're going to continue to do that. Margin is the amount beyond what is necessary. It's simply put really the difference between what you have and what you need. And so, you know, we used simple examples last week, and I'll use them again um, in, in this message as well. You know, if you have $3,000 of a household budget and your expenses are $2,500, then you have a $500, you know, margin, right? If you have 30 minutes to get to a meeting, you know it's 20 minutes away, then there's a 10 minutes of margin, right? And some of you love that. You love that 10 minutes getting there early. Some of you guys love riding right on time, and some of you are always five minutes over, right, or, or more. Same thing short our finances. Some of us love having that, that cushion there. Some of us, we live page to paycheck, and there's really no margin at all in our lives. And some of us, we max out even beyond that. We spend $3,500 when our household budget is really 3000 And part of that is just the nature of, of, our, of the world we live in today. It's the, the culture that's been created. If I were to ask you, like, when's the last time you felt, you felt financial stress in your life, chances are you would say, yeah, pretty recently I felt that. Or if I were to ask you, when's the last time you felt like you had no time for much else than just going to work and doing what you had to do? You would say, yeah, last week, you know, or very recently. How many of us constantly feel like we're living our life all the way up to that max? 
I know for us as a church, specifically around finances, we really tried to revamp how we do our entire uh, giving as a church. When I came on staff three years ago, our church had around $16,000 of debt that we had on the books. And within 15 months, we had already paid off that entire $16,000 of debt, which is huge. That we really, almost within a year of, of really attacking the problem, we aggressively got it paid down. This is a huge testimony, not just to our people, but also just to who what God can do when we really choose to lean into this idea of getting out of the places of living to the max and learning to create margin in our life. One of the other ways we've done this as a church is we've started to create care funds within our missional communities. And so if you're a part of a missional community, you know this well, you can always text to give by typing in, uh, you know, through our text to give options, the amount you want to give and the name of your missional community. And that money is set aside to be a way for you to care and shepherd those in your community and those that your community is reaching through separate funds, which allows you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We've also created partnership cards, and these partnership cards, one aspect of it is that we all choose annually to come back and really assess where we are individually and say, you know, here's how I want to set aside money as a giving pledge to give back to the Lord. And within that giving pledge and that partnership card, we start talking about three really big components that for us is what it means for you to be a part of the church. It's to give faithfully serve regularly, and belong to a missional community. And I'd love to tell you that one of those is more important than the other, and the reality is they're all equally important. If you're only ever belonging to a missional community, but you're not learning how to serve or to give well, then your discipleship has a very hard stagnation line. You will only ever grow it so far. I mean, if you're super generous with your money, but you never have time to really grow in relationships or to give of your time in by serving other people, you're going to feel generous with your finances, but the depth of the people that you will ever get to know you well and that you will know well will always be limited. All of these things have limitations. And so we've specifically outlined those three things as what we define as being a partner. And you'll notice in there, one of them is not you know, showing up to our worship gathering. And no, although that's a huge part of what we do, it's something that we absolutely believe is needed and, and necessary that the, the gathering space and the missional communities are married together to create the full experience of what it means to be a part of Awakened Church, that this is not something that you necessarily will always grow from as a partner. But these three, we know without a doubt, you 100% will grow from when you choose to press into within our community. And so within those definitions, we've just learned that we want to change the language of our internal culture. So instead of using words, which you'll never hear from us, words like tithing um, and this idea of tithe and offering, we instead use words like generosity and stewardship. And that's important because these words aren't just simply nuances or creative ways of trying to get out of the word tithe. We just simply believe there are better biblical words out there than tithe and offering. That really the tithe idea is an Old Testament term that really has a lot more to do with more than just 10% than what we ever hear about in the modern day church. And an offering really talks about giving above and beyond, but doesn't always speak to the heart. You can give an offering out of obligation. Stewardship speaks to the idea that all things we have belong to God's, to God, and it's it's our responsibility to steward, to manage these things well, whether it's our finances, our time, our 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 kids, our relationships, 
our, our way that we work and our work ethic, all those things are a reflection of stewardship. Generosity speaks to the heart. It speaks to really who we are and how we're cheerfully learning to give above and beyond and find ways to bless other people. Both of those are far better discipleship pathway words that take us on a journey becoming more like Jesus than tithe and offerings. And so as we kind of reflect on this, I think one of the things that we want to make sure that you know from us is, is probably this simple statement that we believe that your giving has everything to do with what God wants for you and not from you. Giving has everything to do with what God wants for you and not from you. We believe that so emphatically because so often around money conversations, and I'm not having this conversation with you in person, right? You're watching a screen and I'm giving this sermon to a screen. And at the end of the day, money can be a taboo subject within the church. But at the same time, we want to continue to learn and grow together within our finances, not because it's about the church needing something from you or God needing something from you, but it's been, we believe that when you embody these two pathways well and when you walk in them as a disciple, as a Christ follower, you will absolutely learn that God has something for you that is far greater when you choose to lean into these than when you don't. In the Old Testament, there's a book in the Bible called Proverbs. And it really, it's a bunch of these one-liners of wise statements that Solomon writes and talks a lot about money throughout these. In fact, money is probably one of, if not the most talked about subject throughout all of scripture from beginning to end. Let's look at what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. He says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Man, the reality is we all know people who fall into both those camps. I know that I do. I know that there are people in my life who easily make over six figures as a household, have a nice house, maybe even have a pool, cool TV or electronics, a nice kitchen, nice furniture, whatever it is, but they've lived their life to the max to get there. They have no margin for healthy stewardship, no margin for generosity. And then on the flip side, we all know people who, you know, they work simple jobs. Their household income is maybe in the 50 to 60 range. Um, but yet they seem like some of the most generous people that you interact with. Because it's not about the dollar amount of how much money you make. It's about the margin you create in your life. And so many of us think that I will create more margin if I make more money. And I guess the reminder for you is if it hasn't happened to this point, it's not going to happen. Right? If you want to create margin in your life, one of two things has to happen. Either you have to make more money or you have to spend less money. And the reality is every time you make more money, you learn to spend more money. And that's true for so many people. In fact, right now, the Barna Research Group over the last five to seven years has polled the, the Christians who regularly are actively a part of a Christian community or a church gathering space. And right now, the average Christian gives about 2% of their household income back to the Lord or back to the local church. 2%. And the harsh reality is that at Awakened Church, I don't know if it's that different. Maybe 2 to 5% of a household income is given back to the Lord through the local church of, of, of our community. And I'm not here to give a percentage. I made that abundantly clear. And anytime we do a financial series, we make it absolutely clear that I am not asking you to give a tithe and a percentage out of obligation. 
We want to make that emphatically clear because the moment that giving through stewardship and generosity becomes about a percentage, it changes our perspective entirely. Because for so many of us, and we talked about this already last week, when it comes to our money, our time, and our relationships, these three categories really on surface are not the core issue. The core issue is that we are not learning to have margin in our life, which means at the end of the day, we're not truly reflecting Jesus in all aspects of our life. We have not made Jesus king in these areas. And when we don't do that, we live outside of margin. We have no space. And as a result, we continue to look for happiness and joy outside of God's best for us. The reason why we live to the max, the reason why we buy the house that's bigger than what we need, we buy the car that's nicer than what we can afford, the reason why we go to drive to dinner instead of cooking in and inviting a neighbor and hanging out with our own kids in home, the reason why we charge on the credit card is because it's easier to find instant happiness by living life maxed out. But I promise you that eternal joy happens from creating margin in your life. And if we don't learn the principles whether it's financial, relational, or in our time, we will continue to live outside of God's best for us. I think the reason why so many of us can be miserable when it comes to our stuff is that we're so entangled by the traps that money has led us to. We leave our nice homes that we really can't afford. We drive in a car that we really ha have make too many payments on. We argue on the way to dinner about money to go spend money on a dinner that we really should have just ate at home. This is an average stereotypical American family in the church and outside the church. And so we look at it and many of you are like, Phil, that sounds great, but I'm, I don't know what to do. I feel like this all sounds great on paper, but I just need some help. And I think part of it, before I want to give you any practical advice, I want to go back to this idea of it being a spiritual issue. In our culture, most of us have a lifestyle that ignores margin and promotes living to the edge, or worse, living past it. And so as a result, we have to have a spiritual conversation around not just what do I do practically, but how do I adjust the lens in which I'm looking at this through? Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21 says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. This isn't just simply a cultural problem. It's not just simply a money problem. It's a spiritual problem. This isn't about just simply changing the lifestyle that you have. It's about a spiritual awakening that we all have to experience. Jesus basically says in this passage that where your money goes, there your heart will follow. So if the average American is living on these 98% of their income that are in the church, giving as a part of the church, and only giving back 2% of it, then 98% of it, I promise you, is being spent to either pay off happiness that we've tried to achieve in the past, or happiness that we are trying to achieve right now. So the simple answer to create margin is to reset our spiritual eyes, because we have no margin, and then evaluate where our finances and our budget is. So 
if we're not going to be making any more money in the near future, which let's just say most of us probably are not, the question is learning how to spend less. Now, again, this sounds very easy from a talking head that you're watching right now, but the reality is we all can create margin in our life by learning to spend less. If you have no margin, you have to be willing to put on the spiritual lens and say, what can I do to create margin in my life and actually spend less than what I'm actually spending now? What are the things that I'm investing in that are artificial happiness? That's really trying me trying to obtain artificial happiness and less about really what does God want me to do with this? Because if 98% of your income is geared around what the world and the culture has dictated to you, then the basic answer to that is you're not being a good steward. Because if you really believe that it's all God's and all belongs to him, you wouldn't be handling your money that way. If you really believe that God generously gives and lavishes things to us, love, obviously his son, but also practical things that God gives us all the time, and we want to reflect that back out to the world and to each other, you have no ability to reflect that heartbeat of God through generosity, and thus you're not walking well in imitating Jesus. And so, again, as a church, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what you have to do, but I do want to give you what's called the 80-20 rule. This is one of the most practical, sensible things out there when it comes to handling your finances. And if you're not doing it, it's the easiest place to start. This is not meant to be a rule in the sense of you better abide by this or else. It's a great principle to live by. And for some of us, the numbers need to look a little bit different. For most of us, though, it's a great starting point. So let's look at the 80-10-10 rule or the 80-20 rule. If we believe in stewardship that everything we have is God's, then we need to learn to steward well 80%. Now, I know I just told you just that all things belong to God, so what about the other 20%? But we're going to live as if 80% is everything that we need and everything we have and steward this 80% well. The bulk of what our household income is is 80%, and we learn to budget everything around that 80%. If we steward this 80% well, then we automatically will begin to promise to see margin in our life because now we've got 20%. And this is where 20%, if we don't live as if we even have it, it begins to create that margin automatically, which is why I said steward the 80% well and let the other 20% do what they do best. 10% of that remaining 20% Learn to give it back to your local church, which for us, if you're a part of Awaken, we hope that you believe in the mission that God's called us to and what you're doing. But if there are other things that you want to choose to give to as well, hey, I'm all for that. But learn to give and give that 10% as a way of active stewardship back into what really is your way of giving it regularly. It's an active part of what you're doing. And the last 10%, this is where we learn to save and live generously. So if at times there's a need that comes up within your community and your care fund and you want to donate a little bit more, we, we have some money set aside in our savings and our generous fund to be able to bless other people. Maybe it's someone outside of our church community, a neighbor who had something happen. Maybe it's within our own home that something breaks and we need to spend money for it. You now have money set aside for that. I would say the 80-10-10 rule uh, can apply to literally every aspect, not just our monthly income but also as it pertains to tax refunds, bonuses, learning how to take that extra remaining amount that you were given and take 80% of it and, and using it for maybe paying down extra debts that you have, learning how to then 
give back 10% of it, and learning how to save or be generous with the other 10%. That bonus check that you get a couple times a year or once a year or that tax refund that you get once a year is not designed for you to splurge on your next vacation. That I'm not against good things. I'm not against God giving us things so that we can enjoy life to the fullest. I love going on vacation, but it's because I budgeted in my 80% stewardship to have a vacation fund for me and my daughter. It's because I'm learning to live within the means each and every month. And I'm not perfect at this. And I definitely have months where that are harder than others, as I'm sure you do. My job outside of the church is a commission-based job. Some months are great, some months are harder. But learning how to live within the means of what I have is active stewardship. And it teaches me that I can then have space in my life to live generously. The principle is really about helping to create healthy boundaries, really in all areas. But like I said before, it's a spiritual conversation pertaining really to understanding, understand, understand God's placement in our life as king, as first place in our life, will absolutely create the perspective we use around stewardship and generosity. So I want to finish things up here in the message, giving you really three practical things that I think will help you live into the 80-20 rule in our lives and really trust God being first in our life. And the first one is what happens when we begin to lean into this 80-20 rule is that first and foremost, we become supernaturally content. It makes no sense. It is spiritually unexplainable how all of a sudden I am just content. I promise you that when I live into this rule and have actively done it month over month over month, there's just a contentment and a peace that I have that I carry inside of me that others can see. And it's even contagious that it stems from this idea that I'm living as a good steward. And I'm content because, again, if I'm looking to God as everything belongs to him and including my own life, then I don't need these things to create happiness for me. I find eternal joy in walking in the pathways that God has for me. Proverbs 15, 16, another proverb says, better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. It is better to have less and have a strong foundational walk with Jesus than it is to have great things on this earth and constantly be wrestling internally with who you are, what you're doing, and how you're not getting there. So many of us fall into that latter category, yet we claim to know Jesus. And that's the lack of margin at play right there, is that we haven't created the margin, so it's hard for us to have the better, to have just a little bit less, and to learn how to walk favorably with the Lord than it is to keep spending all this money and live in constant conflict. That is absolutely summarizing so well how we achieve that supernatural contentment in our life. Number two, we end up more, we end up with more of what matters most. We absolutely end up with more of what matters most when we choose to live into this 80-20 rule. And again, it doesn't make logical sense how if I'm spending less, how am I going to end up with more? Well, again, we're speaking of this idea that it's a spiritual conversation, not just a money conversation. Another proverb that talks about this idea is found in chapter 8. Let's read two verses together, 18 and 19. It says, I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages better than sterling silver. It's this idea that the riches and the honor 
this idea of the, the wealth that we have is far greater than monetary value. I end up with deeper relationships when I live into the 80-20 rule because I want to find ways to generously give my money. I absolutely, when I have, gener- I have money to give, I go seek out ways to give it. If I've ever bought you a meal, it's probably because I found some money and I was like, hey man, let me get that for you. Hey, we're out at Starbucks. Let me get that cup of coffee for that next person. Hey, I got the tab. Don't worry this time. Hey, come over to my house for dinner. I got it all figured out. It's because those small acts of generosity create this enriched experience, this wealth of experience with my relationships. When I'm learning to live within my 80% wealth, man, I'm also learning in my time how I can create margin for my kids better, for my spouse, for my coworkers, for the neighbors who I'm called to be alongside of, for our church community. All these things are absolutely connected when we learn to steward and budget these things well. And I think going back to the wisdom of Solomon, this, these riches and the honor he's talking about is this idea of really storing up wealth. It's better and it's greater than any of the things that you can put a monetary value to. So we end up with more of what matters most and we become spiritually content. And the third one, which is a big deal to me, is we kill off the disease of materialism in our lives. I can't tell you how many times for each one of us, we are constantly through advertisements, through what our friends have and our family members have, through what we see all around us constantly. Our eyes are overloaded with materialism. We are constantly left feeling like we don't have enough. The phone isn't enough. The computer isn't enough. The TV isn't big enough. The car isn't nice enough. My kids' clothes aren't nice enough. We don't have a big enough home. My job status isn't enough. We always feel like we're lacking. We talked about this at the beginning of the year in our Genesis series that that one of the human flaws that's created since the beginning of time is this feeling of being incomplete, that we need something else. It's what led Adam and Eve in the, in the, uh, in the story in the, in the garden, in this beautiful poem. As it begins to unfold, we see it very clearly in their lives. It's no different today for us, that so many of us wrestle with this idea of feeling incomplete. And that incompletion that we feel within us, we look to fill it with so many things. And the world has given everything to you on a silver platter that you can use to feel fulfilled at times. And the more that we learn to live into the 80-10-10 rule or the 80-20 rule, the more we begin to speak directly to that spirit of materialism and say, that's not the way I want to live my life. I don't want to live for more of what you have to offer. I want to live more for, for what God wants for me, not from me. And when I do that, my family is healthier, my my budget's healthier, my time is healthier, my relationships are healthier, my ability to learn to walk in the pathways of stewardship and generosity, they become healthier. All of these things stem from two primary camps. Understanding that the spiritual lens we look at it absolutely has to change. And understanding that creating margin absolutely requires active and persistent movement in honoring the principles that are the best ones out there for us. I'm not interested in you giving 10% because it's a tithe. I'm interested in you learning how to give 10% of your income because it's going to create healthy stewardship in your life and learning how we absolutely give back to the Lord to help take care of, of the church and the ministries and the nonprofits and the missions that we're called to be a part of. We're all in that together. 
and and part of this mindset shift and we're about to undergo a very big vision change in our church is that we're going to be asking you to think of and pray through ways for you to really go all in with us as a church and Part of that is adjusting this 2% giving that we see as the American norm and moving closer to the 10% norm, which we want for our church so that we can in turn find more ways of being generous and being better stewards as a church community at large. I think if we're all willing to admit this is a spiritual issue, not just a money issue, then I think all of us will begin to have the necessary conversations we need to. So here's my hope as we leave this message. My hope and my prayer for you is that you would take an honest look at your finances. But before you even open up your budget or your checking account or your app on your phone, that you would sit down and pray and say, God, how do you want me to be a better steward? And how do you want me to be more generous with my finances? What are you asking me to do? I'm not asking for you to give the little bit left over on the top each month. I'm asking you to create principles in your life that mirror and reflect what God's best is for us. And when we do that, we see radical changes happening, not only in our finances, but in our spiritual lives as God begins to show us so many things that he desires for us as his people, not from us. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, I come before you right now and I ask that you would continue to work in my life and in the lives of anyone and everyone watching this. That God, right now you would begin to convict and challenge and move within each of our lives how we can grow into this 80-20 principle, this idea of living by this new rule so that you can lead us into better stewardship and generous acts as individuals and as a church community. God, I know at times when in my own life, when money can be stressful, when I can feel pressure, I quickly move into me trying to problem solve and fix it instead of going back to, God, what is best that you want me? What is it what you want me to do? And it's in those moments when you begin to peel back my eyes and see things differently. So God, I pray that for myself. I pray that for, for our community. I pray that for the church at large, that we would learn to steer away from this idea of, of giving out of obligation and tithings and offerings and really learn into your heartbeat of generosity and stewardship. I pray that our church will learn what it means to radically be good stewards for the sake of learning how we can be generous to our neighbor and to each other. And God, I pray that just within this conversation that we're having to have, even through a video message, God, that you would anoint it in a way that would allow people to not feel like it's a traditional money talk or something, God, that is just the church asking for money. But God, I pray that you would really reveal your heart to each person, that we would be aware that your heart is for us, that you want something for us as your children, as your sons and daughters, as citizens of heaven. God, you want what's best for us as we grow and take these next steps. And so God, I pray that you would cause all of us to mature spiritually on this journey, wherever that first step is, and that we would all take what's needed as a next step. We love you and we thank you for being a generous God, for reminding us that all things belong to you and it's far better in your hands, God, than ours anyway. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us a sense of peace over anxiety and worry when it comes to our finances. Give us wisdom to know where to turn back and where to give more. And Jesus, we thank you 
that you yourself remind us constantly of what it means to not be focused on the things and the materials of this world, not to store up treasures here on earth, but to be reminded that where our money is, there our heart also will be. The desires of our hearts, God, they will be connected to you, not to where our expenses lie. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.